You are listening to a Banzai Retro Club podcast. Language and topics may not always be appropriate for younger listeners. Press 1 for a groovy topic from the 1970s. Press 2 for an awesome topic from the 1980s. Or press 3 for a slamming topic from the 1990s. Please choose now. Too late. We have made your selection for you. Let's start the show. This is 90-something podcast. I know it sounds mental, but sometimes I have more fun vegging out than when I go partying. Maybe because my party clothes are so binding. You're an idiot. I'll show you. Starting tomorrow, you'll see I'm just as sane as anybody. Well, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? Smelly cat, smelly cat, what are they feeding you? Mentos, the fresh maker. Hello everyone, I am Suzanne and uh, we're here with uh, Banzai Retro Club uh, and our overlord Dave. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Dave in the house. Yeah, and uh, what we're going to do, we are uh, doing our wrap ups for uh, 2021 because, you know, everybody wants to put that behind us. Uh, so, uh, what we usually do is that we will go back to uh, each decade that we focus on here, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and go back to the, you know, the digit of the year that we're just leaving. Uh, and then we, we kind of explore. Uh, the best of TV and events and music from that year to kind of uh, you know be a little nostalgic and uh, you know, celebrate the year's end. So we've already done 71 and 81, and we are moving on to the 90s with 1991. So did that kind of uh, explain it to people? You think, Dave? <laughs> That completely explains it. Does a way better job of explaining than I ever do. So I appreciate oh, you think that. So? Oh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, so my first question to you mm-hmm. is uh, 1991. What was going on in your life? Uh, in my life, let's see. I moved to Florida, like probably I think it was like 1990, uh, and I was there for like six months to like the end of the year, from the you know the beginning of the summer till the end of the year. Uh, and then we decided we were going to come back up. So we started 1991 where, and this was me and my then boyfriend, now husband, uh, at that point, I think I might've actually become an adult (laughs) where, you know, we left, we lived together in Florida. We moved back up to Long Island because, you know, frankly, there wasn't any work for young people in in Florida at that time, we were we weren't finding that much going on for us, so we went back. Uh, and I think after that, it was kind of like, all right, now we're getting married, we're gonna get a house, we're gonna have children, and we're gonna be grown ups. 
and it'll be fun. <laughs> and it has been. Uh, but I think that I was past the point then of, uh, you know, having all that energy to get out as far as, you know, go out to clubs and meet different guys and do different things. You know, I knew that I kind of was facing the decisions that were going to stick. Yeah. So, yeah, you were uh, you were at the point where you're ready to start adulting right. versus the, uh, uh, the the youth decisions of clubbing. So, right, right. Makes sense. And things were more focused then on moving a career along and, right. uh, you know, working for a bigger or, or more companies that were more catered to what I really wanted to do. You know, you start out and you just have to do what, get what you can get and do what you can do. Right. But by the time I was like 26, 27 years old, um, I knew like you really have to get where you're going a little bit. <laughs> yeah. By then you've kind of kind of figured out where you want to head, right? Uh, and you just got to start to make that happen, yeah. If you haven't already, yeah. Well, so. let's you know, let, you, you hope that's what's going to happen, but that's right. around the time right. it happened for me. Sure. So how about you? Well, I joined the Navy in 1989, so I was 18 years old in '89, and then so fast forward to '91. I would have been a junior sailor. At this point, my first command was Washington, D.C. Um, after I'd gotten out of boot camp, which was in San Diego, um, I was in um, what they call technical A school uh, in San Diego once again, uh, learning to be a data processing technician. And at that point during school was the first time that you have the um, the mixing of the the men with the women because mm. in boot camp it's just you know you're in an all guy uh, platoon um you know there's there's women platoons that are out there but they're not intermingled with you at all you know you're they, they have separate you know everything so once you get to a school it's kind of a lot more liberal it's like you've got schooling that you got to do and then you got to help clean the classrooms and the schoolhouse um but after that, if you don't have a watch, then you basically the time's your own. Um, and then you're there with, uh, you know, the females that have also just graduated a uh, boot camp. And so you're, you know, you have this, you know, everybody's young. You're the uh, the prime of your life. You know, everybody's fit because they just got done with boot camp. Mm -hmm. You know, and of course, you know, all the hormones are raging and all that good stuff. And so, of course, I fell in love with a girl. But by the time 91 had run around, she had a different command that she went to completely. She wasn't in the D.C. area. So we did a long-distance relationship for a while, and it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, so uh, in 91, I was probably pining away at wondering, Aww. you know, what she was thinking of and, you know, when's the next letter I was going to get from her, that kind of stuff. Aww. You know, I never so, thought of – of the service as being like a time of your life when you're, you know, searching out a, uh, a romantic partner. Like to me, I didn't really think that was a component of what's going on in your life then, but I guess you guys fit it in. <laughs> you, yeah. You don't, you, you know, that's not never the plan. It's not, it's not like you go in with that thought process. Okay. Uh, and there's plenty of other things that were going on. You know, I mean, I was learning to be a computer technician. I was working on a computer floor, you know, I was taking care of hardware, uh, you know, mainframes and tape drives and big, you know, uh, laser printers, 
you know, that all kept, you know, the uh, uh, United States Navy humming. So, you know, I mean, you know, there was plenty to do, you know, and it was, you know, you know, and, you know, Desert Storm right around the corner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, high priority, high focus on that, you know, so there's plenty, you know, plenty of military type things that, you know, everybody's aware of and paying attention to. But, you know, I mean, if you have the ability to, you know, go into the barracks and spend an evening with, a, a, you know, a beautiful woman, it's not like you're going to turn that down. Sounds so, good to me. Yeah. So, you know, it, I, I, I never once had good game. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, it was just it was interesting because, you know, you you, you have a bit more confidence because you got through at this point, you know, boot camp and technical A school. And so you had a, a, maybe a little bit of a swagger where you may have not had one before. Um, and so at least, you know, I mean, this 20, you know, when I was 20 years old, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's a lot that was going on as far as, you know, mentally, you know, because first time away from home, out on my own. Uh, you know, the only one that's really dictating what's happening to me is, you know, the military. You know, they're, 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 they're calling the shots. Mm -hmm. But more or less, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own devices. Um, so it was quite liberating. It was fun. Uh, Washington, D.C. was the first place that I got to see snow. Uh, so yeah. I was like, you know, like 18 years old. Um, and uh, in the winter of 89, I believe it was, uh, after we passed boot camp and uh, technical high school, you know, I'm there at the barracks and I remember being outside and... You know, uh, it was in Fort Myers, Virginia, uh, which is right, you know, next to Washington, D.C. Um, that's where we were uh, barracked. And, you know, I was sitting there at the front desk, you know, talking to somebody. And then all of a sudden I look outside and I see the little, little things of snow coming down. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Alien. my God, it's snowing. <laughs> and, and I go out there and I'm like, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, you know, like you see in the movies, you know, the guy that, you know, is out there with his mouth open, you know, catching snowflakes <laughs> in his mouth. You know, 18-year-old kid, he joined snow for the first time in his life, you know, because I grew up in Florida. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of what was going on in my world around, you know, 89, 90, 91, you know, being uh, there in D.C. Well, I kind of did the opposite. I went from New York down to Florida, and it was just yeah. so strange, like, walking around and, like, November in shorts, you know, and you're getting toward Christmas time and there are people putting lights out, but it's hot. So yeah. I found that very bizarre. Like to me, it felt like without the seasons changing drastically, it was almost like time was standing still, like nothing ever really developed and changed. You know, it's, it's kind of weird how you get used to th things being very cyclical. I guess when you're right. when you live up north and just things are changing constantly when it comes to the weather, you don't get that many months where it stays the same. Uh, so to me, that felt very strange to just have this static warmth that just continued, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and in, in my house, if we wanted to make it really feel like winter, we just jacked that AC all <laughs> the way down. 
and uh, that was kind of winter, you know. I mean, but there was a, there was a time that I remember on Christmas Day mowing the yard. Um, yeah. So I've used that story a few times. Wow. Yeah, that that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It is what it is. That's uh, growing up in Florida, though. Yeah. I've had uh, plenty of other places that I've lived now, and uh, now I can say I'm officially, you know, as far as snow goes, I'm over it. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of over especially it too. when I've got to shovel it. <laughs> I'll probably end up back if in Florida again sometime. The, it's not Mexico, yeah. you know. If it could just land on the the lawn and not on a driveway or sidewalk that I need to shovel, then I'm fine. Yeah, that's you know, I don't have idea. to drive we'll through just it. Yeah. Have a little talk with God and say, hey. <laughs> yeah, targeted <laughs> snowfall. Idea. This, this is <laughs> yeah. this is a much easier targeted, way to do it. Targeted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so what do you want to start with first? Well, let's see. I think when, um, well, just to let everybody in, we will share, Dave will usually do some research, and we will share links to listings of the best movies and the best TV and the things that happened, etc. And in looking at this link with the movies, man, this, uh, I'm sorry, this was a kick-ass year for movies. Is it my imagination? Yeah, no, I I agree. It was a a, a stellar year for movies. Um, wow. It's, it's like where to start? Um, yeah. Well, I guess we can start. Well, they have we can start at number one, I guess, if, if we want. But there's just so many. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like you know, the the link that I provided was through IMDb, which is basically the top movies in 1991. And I think we discovered this last time, where when you first open the list, there is a like a list order that I think is predetermined by popularity on IMDb mm-hmm. versus like true popularity of the movie or, uh, you know, like box office draw, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, so all right. I did was, so I sorted it by popularity. Um, I don't know which way you're looking at it. I'm looking at it at list order, but let me see popularity. Probably doesn't change all that much. Not Maybe a couple much. things, a couple things jumped yeah. around. Yeah, number one, Silence of the Lambs. Okay, well, that was a great movie. I'm sorry, these are these are some really wonderful movies, like crazy good movies. Silence of the Lambs, yeah, I think I think that one Best Picture, right? That was that's one of the most tense movies out there. You know, this back and forth between her and and Hannibal was, ooh, that gave you like huge chills. So yeah. um, the characters yeah. were really cool and the performances were amazing. And just the whole situation was just kind of sickening. You know, this poor woman was uh, abducted and is in, being kept in somebody's little cave. And I think sometimes yeah. I've heard people yell, he puts the lotion on her skin and puts it in the basket. You know, yeah. I've, I've heard people for years yell, she puts the lotion in the basket. So, and then when he gets annoyed, put the fucking lotion in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude. Oh, that guy was oh man, so don't kill her right there, man. Sick. Don't. I want to see that. I don't know. Oh, so oh. sick. Big time. But Hopkins, man. Oh my God, did he play such a wonderful villain in Hannibal, which was kind of a quasi anti-villain, if you will. Yeah. Because he's kind of helping out, but but in not a really. really frightening way. Yes. Really frightening and intimidating way. But yet, right. 
see, I just, he's just so good. Cause you have to love those villain villains that can be just, they're just so sophisticated and calm and in control. Um, I think that, well, you know, until he's eating somebody's face off, but <laughs> yeah, up until that moment, he's kind of like this well-spoken, he barely moves a muscle in his body as she's talking to him other than, well, uh, then he'll come, just come out with very rude, disgusting, horrifying things that he tells her about. And, uh, yeah. like you believe that, I mean, he's, he's kind of almost a, a like a, like a comic book, like Batman villain. He's like giving out little clues and he won't come out and tell her things. He'll just make her work for it. And, right. you know, give him all these confessions about her life, um, which, you know, I don't think there's too many criminals out there who do that kind of thing. But, <laughs> but you buy it, you know, you're like so engrossed in what he was saying. He just he just kills you. Yeah, he um, just his matter of fact approach of, you know, being able to describe, you know, kind of his own, you know, uh, track record of what he's done. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a. You know, she's sitting there just so matter of fact talking to him. He goes, I didn't keep any trophies. She goes, no, you ate yours. Yeah. It was just kind of like a yeah. casual conversation. Yeah. Like, um, beans. okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but uh, that's not a conversation I don't. I think I would be comfortable with. Yeah, I'd be exactly. like, uh, yeah, but I, yet, but yet she has like a certain respect for him and his intellect and his ability to like make sense through this whole thing even though he's this horrifying cannibal it's, right you know so by the time that he well you know once again we're gonna do all the spoilers here by the time that he kind of es- escapes at the end and just kind of calls her to let her know I-, I feel like she's almost like a little happy for him to be able to like or like respects his ability to to pull that off Right. You know, and get out there and yeah. be free and, you know, hopefully yeah. not eat at any other people. <laughs> yeah, I think Hannibal Lecter and Starling had nothing but respect for each other, you know, and um, but, you know, obviously, you know, it's good versus evil, you know, all the way through. But, you know, there's a level of respect over, you know, what each one's bringing to the table. Right. And um, and despite the fact that he's this horrifying criminal. He does help right. her catch the other criminal and save at least one girl's life. So. Yeah, Buffalo Bill. Right. All right. Uh, so Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Like I just hear the sound effects in my head when I when I see this. I have to tell you, I think that Terminator 2 Judgment Day is probably the best sequel ever made to any movie. Maybe Aliens is on the same level which was hmm. around, you know, around the same time. I think these movies were only a couple of years between them, right? Um, right? I just think it's such a superior sequel. Um, and the original movie was really cool, but, you know, it was kind of this low-budget thing that almost succeeded in spite of itself because the story was so cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. But... Being able to bring that concept into like a big blockbuster glossy framework like this, it was just wonderful. Yeah, I like I like how they you know flipped the script. 
and you know whereas like on the uh, uh, the first Terminator it was all about him trying to kill Sarah Connor and you know on this one it's all about him trying to protect you know Sarah Connor's son yeah and she was kind of the crazy one <laughs> yeah yeah well she kind of deserved it I think she deserved to be a little crazy after the stuff that yeah, she's yeah I guess I guess she earned it yeah um but I mean, she wasn't just, I mean, she wasn't crazy. Actually, she was right. <laughs> yeah. But she yeah, was true. treated like she was crazy. And she was, you know, became this kind of uh, kick-ass warrior um, that, yeah, geez, she was just like a woman of the apocalypse <laughs> let loose on, on creation. That's all. And that's all she cared about was trying to change that outcome. Uh, yeah. When she, I mean, talk about, you know, evolution for a character. She started off as that, you know, timid little waitress who was being hunted and turned into this just this animal. <laughs> yeah, just think about the, well, I mean, the, the mind fuck that's got to go on. Because you have this, in the first movie, the guy that goes back to save your life and protect you from the Terminator ends up becoming the father of your son. Right, who's the then, one that they were going back to destroy. It's right. a really cool triangle. Yeah, what an interesting like, you know, you know, premise in trying to figure out how this all plays along and then, you know, knowing that uh, you know, was it John Connor that had sent the cyborg back, you know, in order to say, keep him safe or something or I forgot exactly who sent the cyborg back. To protect him. Yeah, who was that? Maybe that was was the grown up John who's right. who sent the back back to right free his so mother. Now you've got you know the adult sending you know the then Terminator back to save himself and keep himself safe and alive. It's like weird. It's such a mm -hmm. if I, there's no way that I could like mentally deal with that. <laughs> You know, to, you know, all those different, like, time loops, you know, that you have to keep track of as mm -hmm. to what's going on, either now or in the future. Like, oh, are you my dad? I don't know. Maybe you are. <laughs> they made it work, though. Yeah, totally. They did. Uh, and, um, well, I think that the other sequels of this film just kind of got away from people. <laughs> yeah. You know, they did not, they yeah. could not su surpass this. But... Yeah, somewhere somewhere along the way it got like is like all right, well just another Terminator, why not? Go ahead. <laughs> I know, yeah. but I think that's all that Hollywood became after a while is just let's just replicate things that already exist. Yeah, rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so then number three is Hook. Yeah, I don't recall this getting you. I mean, it was a kind of a big deal because Robin Williams was. Uh, very popular, but I don't re yeah. recall it being that popular movie. Like, oh my God, everybody ran out and see Hook. I think people were a little confused by it, if I remember. It was fun. I saw it. I saw most. What I'm realizing is that I must have gone to movies a lot in the 90s because I saw almost all of these on this sure. list. Yeah. Um. So I I went out to see it, but I remember thinking a few weird. They made a few weird choices in reimagining Peter Pan. How about you? Yeah, I um the whole concept of Robin having to try to remember that he was Robin and or 
yeah, yeah, Robin Hood, you know, him trying to remember he was Robin Hood and then trying to remember that he had to have happy thoughts in order to be Robin, yeah, not Peter Robin Pan. Hood. Why am I saying yeah, Peter, Peter Pan. Pan? Thank you. Sorry. Robin Hood. Where was I going there? <laughs> That's Kevin Costner. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and for you know, for him to have happy thoughts, to be able to truly be Peter Pan, you know, and then you know, during a portion of the movie, it's almost like he forgets that he's a parent, you know. So it's such a weird, like you know, trippy thing that you're kind of going through in the in the mind of Robin Williams. He makes it work though, because he is you know the great Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And actually, I. I the the one that seemed really kind of weird to me was just Julia Roberts. Yeah, I would agree. They something didn't work there. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, she's beautiful and all, but I don't know Tinkerbell. I don't know if that would be the the choice that I would have made. Um, yeah, it just. Uh, I mean, she she's wonderful in everything. It's it's true. It's not. Yeah. It, it's she was still kind of fun to watch, but I don't know. She's a little maybe tomboyish almost for yeah. Tinkerbell. And they had her kind of like a, a kind of jealous Tinkerbell that was, if I remember, just not playing nice. <laughs> yeah. And just all she wanted was Peter's attention, which, uh, I don't know, it didn't quite work for me. Like, it was a little, it was a little vindictive and negative. <laughs> yeah. Mean-spirited, I think. And I didn't buy her in that. Yeah, that was it. I didn't buy it. Yeah, that, that, that's probably the best way to put it. Um, but Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins together, that was a, a good comedic duo, though. Yeah, that's true. That was fun. Yeah. It was fun. There were fun moments. I just, there, yeah. there were some things that were just kind of questionable, you know, that right. distracted you from this really being effective. And I think we yeah. hit on the main thing is that Julia Roberts kind of did some weird things with, with Tinkerbell that, right. you know, just didn't feel like it should be in this film i don't know yeah it's just yeah you didn't buy yours tinkerbell i think you put it best right there mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah she's a great actress we're not belittling her at all it's just that you know was that the right role for her mm-hmm. probably not well the thing is everybody in this movie is great i love everybody in this movie and it was a spielberg yeah. movie so i think people yeah. were expecting it to be really like crazy magical and it it fell a little flat it fell a little short of that right but i mean it was a fun take on peter pan yeah. don't get me wrong you know i mean i i you know to to have the imagination to say okay we're gonna make peter pan a a father you know and you know make him basically have forgotten everything that, about neverland you know and you know him just be so self-absorbed into his workaholic life mm-hmm. you know that you know he had forgotten you know to have fun so it was an interesting you know premise and kind of a story behind the the, the whole you know movie mm-hmm. um but yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe the you know, maybe they worked too hard to put that moral in. But, you know, it didn't work enough to just a straight out fun Peter Pan movie. Okay, I don't I'll know. go with that. That's my th- my theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. This was a cool movie. Uh, I think this was one of the first like female buddy movies that did really well in the theater. So that was kind of landmark, I guess. And, uh, 
yeah, th- this was a it was a good movie. I don't know, it had it had that really cool ending, but I kind of felt disappointed by it. <laughs> I know everybody like everybody seemed to like it. Um, I liked the movie, but like I said, I, I kind of like would have liked it, things to have been better resolved for the two of them, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, confession time. I actually have never seen this movie all the way through. Oh, really? I've seen the end. So I know exactly what you're talking about as far as the end. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, for me, it's anticlimactic because I don't know what the journey was to get there. Um, other than knowing that they just basically were on a crime spree. Um, well, they so didn't really set the out to be on a crime spree. Um, did you see the beginning? I don't remember the beginning. Okay. Well, that all I just remember gets, the end. Yeah, that all gets yeah. set into motion with them being on the run. Because if I remember, there was some guy at a bar who tried to attack um, it was Gina Davis, Thelma or Louise. It's hard to It's been a long time. I can't remember which one of them it was. But in any case, she was being pushed up against a, a car. And Thelma, um, you know, her buddy, Susan Sarandon, shot the guy to keep him from raping her, basically. So then they jumped in the car and they were on the run. And it's kind of like a buddy movie journey where they're escaping the law. But okay. because, you know, they were one was defending the other from from, you know, being physically assaulted. Uh, so, you know, to have them not in the end be able to kind of um, justify, you know, this whole thing and and bring some kind of closure for them. You know, they decided it would be better to just say the hell with it and drive off the cliff. You know, it's just not really fair. The ending was not really fair, but it was um, it was exciting to watch. They just need to find a uh, a lawyer like Matthew McConaughey because there so. is a time to kill. <laughs> I don't think but I've don't, seen see that what I one. Did yeah, I guess, I but I haven't seen okay. that one, so I can't really make the analogy. Okay. I'm I'm assuming yeah. though. <laughs> yeah okay um all right but you liked it then uh, i so. did like it i did like it i, I okay. only wish things worked out better for the two of them <laughs> i see all right so that gets us to number five which is beauty and the beast this would be the cartoon not the uh the live action one um yeah yeah i i liked it um you know it, i mean granted you know it's disney musical you know, they were kind of pumping them out a little bit, you know, with The Little Mermaid and uh, Now Beauty and the Beast. Um, you know, I and I forget if uh, Lion King was before or after Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I, I think it was after. I guess so, because I think it was pregnant yeah. then, so, and I wasn't married yet in 1991. Yeah, so. So, so, so yeah, the Disney, you know, had, you know, found their formula in kind of regurgitating these, you know, these classic tales. Uh, adding some music to them, um, yeah, they, and they were doing it well. They were doing it great. So I mean, it was uh, uh, fun to watch. I enjoyed the uh, uh, the evil guy at Gaston. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was funny. Yeah, he was pretty funny. See, I, I like yeah. this. I don't know if I saw it in the in the theater. I think I saw it later. You know, we had it on DVD, and then I had young children, and we watched. I watched all. The Disney musicals. And, you know, I say that exhaustively because children make you watch things over and over and over again. If you, I'm sure you remember yeah. this face. Um, so <laughs> I had plenty of them. But 
But believe me, in 1991, I was still doing theater. In fact, when I was in, in Florida, I did a pretty neat version of uh, Brigadoon, which I remember very, very fondly and was kind of like the the height of my, you know, having fun in theater. So and this soundtrack, this this music was, was really beautiful and really fun. And, uh, you know, I used to sing it around the house. <laughs> but, yeah, I've probably seen it like a hundred times. I think, you know, my daughter would pick a movie that she liked and we had to watch it like all month. I would only allow oh, them yeah. to play it once a day, though. <laughs> Whatever movie it was we were watching. Yeah, I had, um, when my kids were growing up, it was like Megamind uh, or Despicable Me. So, I mean, okay. yeah, th- those are movies that I have kind of engraved in my brain because of how many times I've seen it. Yeah, this. And there was a sequel to this that was just on video, and Mulan. I don't can't tell you how many times I watched Mulan, which once again, the music is beautiful. And I would, you know, I would, I would sing along. It was a lot of fun. But every day, I swear. Toy Story. God, I don't know how. Well, there wasn't too much. It played there wasn't too own. much music with Toy Story. Though. No, no, Toy Story was not. Yeah. was not a musical. Yeah. But. But you know, this was it, it was it was beautifully done. Let's just say for yeah. this film, it was beautifully done, and I think that it won awards. Also, I remember jokes at the Academy Awards saying that, uh oh, everybody's shaking in their boots because here's movies being nom- nominated for awards, and there's no people acting in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just right. voice actors. There's no people on the screen. So I think that uh, made a couple of people out there in movie land nervous. All right, so I think if we go one by one for the rest of this list, we're going to be spending a long time on this. Yeah, yeah, that's Um, crazy. Is there, like, one or two that, like, are jumping out at you that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I – I did I at one point on one of our podcasts talk about The Prince of Tides? I think I might have. This might have. This is an amazing, amazing movie, and it'll make you – cry and make your skin crawl and make you fall in love and uh, a lot of really crazy things happen in it but it's a, it's a really amazing movie um it's uh very dramatic very emotional uh story of a guy who who was born in the south and then he goes off and to the north and becomes like uh, maybe he's a writer or something but um you know then he's, he's having trouble with his marriage etc and he gets drawn back to the south because his sister, I think, is in the hospital because she tried to commit suicide. So he was working with her therapist to kind of like piece together moments from their childhood, which was very terrible. Um, and it comes out that his uh, his sisters and his mother, they were all attacked by, people, you know, a bunch of guys who invaded their home and assaulted all of them. It was horrifying and um and in the meantime, he falls in love with the therapist, which is Barbara Streisand. This is Nick Nolte and Barbara Streisand. Um, and they have to kind of reconcile their feelings for each other because he's estranged from his wife, but he's going to do the right thing and go back to her, even though they're falling in love with each other. And she knows all these secrets from his past. And it's it's really emotional. It's really, you know, pulls your heartstrings. But... Uh, if I seem to remember that nobody else had seen it but me when <laughs> we discussed, yeah, 
Yep, and that's still the case with me. I, okay, uh, well. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go the rest of my days without seeing this one. Um, it might be hard to watch at this point. It's, it's yeah. one of those real psychological ringers that they put you through. I gotcha. All right. Well, I mean, I'm just getting over Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a little sad. Yeah. I saw that one. I yeah. saw it. There, there, there's, there's some, uh, you know, um, Egon Spengler moments that I'm still coping with yeah, right now. Yeah, so, I understand. Yeah. yeah, it was. I won't spoil. Let's little... not spoil that one. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little dirt in my eye. Just. Oh. <laughs> I'll, be I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Not quite the same All right. I'm, I'm, level. I'm back together now. Me, but yeah. it does have um, nostalgic kind of. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That movie did great with nostalgic. <laughs> um, but we're back in 1991, and the movie I wanted to talk about was Doc Hollywood. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I um, yeah, I, yeah. Just like everyone else in America, just loved Michael J. Fox and pretty much anything that he was involved in. Um, and, uh, this was just a, a fun little sleeper of a movie of his, you know, cause you didn't have, you know, just a, uh, a huge budget, you know, that, you know, was going on. I mean, you really basically had him playing a doctor, um, who's an ER doctor who's transferring to LA to become a plastic surgeon, but he chooses to drive, uh, to LA and along the way he, uh, he gets lost and then, you know, he has car problems, and he's stuck in this small little po-bunk town of Grady. And, you know, he's dealing with all the personalities of this small town. And without even realizing it, determines that's kind of the – what he's been missing in his life. Um, so, you know, it, it's just, a you know, a, a kind of a good heartfelt comedy, you know. And he's – Michael J. Fox is just really believable as this guy that – you know, look, I've got, you know, I'm going here. This is my thing now. This is what I have going on. Don't interrupt that. And then, you know, he's forced to slow down and enjoy the life of this small little town, you know, and, you know, appreciate it. Um, of course, yeah, there's a love interest and all that kind of good jazz too. But, um, yeah, it's just a fun movie. Yeah, I remember it as being kind of sweet. Uh, I saw it back in the day. I don't think I've seen it since. Uh, but it reminds yeah. me a little bit of um, Northern Exposure, you know, where the doctor sure. just gets shipped into this little town and he has to stay there, you know, to pay back his loans. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, gets to know all these wacky, quirky people and kind of becomes part of the community. So. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's a formula that's kind of been like used, you know, uh, throughout. You know, you got movies like even anime movies like Cars, you know, it's the same formula, mm. you know, you've. You got a hotshot racer, and then all of a sudden he's kind of forced to live in this small town, and you know grows to appreciate it. Yeah, you know, and that's essentially Doc Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very it's very sweet and uplifting. I don't think I saw car. I I might have seen pieces of cars. I think I slept through it a couple of times, but <laughs> uh, you know, just like exhaustion from, like I said, the little kids. But <laughs> but I get that that vibe of you're always where you're supposed to be. You know, right. You're always where you end up where you're meant to be. And that's I think that's an important lesson for people, you know, not to get too corny. But so many people like start out. I want to do this. I want to be that. I want to, you know, and they find things along the way and realize that that's what make, makes them happy. You know, sometimes uh, that I think this happens frequently to people. 
So it's nice to see it reflected out there. You know, that's why it resonates with people. Yeah, definitely. Okie doke. Um, all right. So any other movies on this list? Um, well, there's a lot of good movies on this list, but like you said, I, oh, I don't know that we can spend too much time talking about music. Uh, sorry, about uh, movies, and maybe we should uh, move on to music and see what we think of that. So. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, there's so many good ones. It's it's hard to like pick one and or you know you know just not talk about a whole bunch of things. The only thing I wanted to mention was I think. And I don't remember seeing it, but I think this was the last movie by Phoebe Cates was Drop Dead Fred. Ah, uh, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, why? Why would that have been her? You know, the last thing that she had, you know, contributed as a actress. Yeah. Um. Uh, sadly. Yeah. Sadly, but I heard that it wasn't that great a movie, and I'm kind of sad about it because actually, Rick Mayle, who plays the you know the crazy imaginary friend. Um, he yeah. was in <laughs> he was in a series in, in England called The Young Ones that we used to watch when when I was over there overseas, which is kind of a, like this punk rock uh, sort of uh, all whole, no no holds barred comedy, and he is so funny, he is so funny that it's really sad that he ended up in this this piece of material that just didn't really go anywhere or didn't show off his madness in the correct way, let's say. Um, and probably in that case, sunk her career too. So I think it would have been nicer if this movie maybe didn't come out and they both did other projects that were better off, better for them, better suited for them. Well, actually, it turns out that I was wrong. I, I looked her up and Bodies Rest in Motion is something she did two years after Drop Dead yeah, Fred. Never even heard of that one. Yeah, and then there's another one called Princess Caribou, and then it looks like she went into doing maybe some uh, uh, voice acting for Lego Dimensions game. Mm. So okay, Princess all right, Caribou. but yeah, we all remember her yeah. so fondly from Fast Times, and I remember yeah. her from when she was like a seventeen model. So everybody right. was like, "Ooh, Phoebe Cates!" Everybody wanted to look like Phoebe Cates. So. Yeah, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, or Gremlins, the first one, Private School. Okay. Um, I remember she was yeah. in um, Bright Lights Big City with, with Michael yeah. J. Fox, yeah. uh, which wasn't a bad adaptation. I think the, the book was much better, which most books are. But she played his wife in flashbacks, like a, a wife yeah. that he brings into the city, and then she becomes this famous model and dumps him. So. Right. Right. She was kind of cute in that, although, like I said, it was not. It was just memories of her. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so you want to go to music next? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think that you look at this year and you could tell that it was kind of a transitional year because the music is kind of all over the place. It totally is. And, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Everything from... Um, grunge heavy metal to some you know some pop you know i mean you're going metallica nirvana to u2 and um brian adams uh so much to talk about um, yeah it's, it's true i think like you could see that grunge was coming in and maybe even like kind of new wave pop was still kind of hanging on a little bit but maybe didn't have right. center stage anymore 
And, you know, even like like U2 has an album. This is probably like the last big album that I remember of theirs, even though I know they've had others since. But, you know, you have like U2 and Michael Jackson on here with, you know, Mariah Carey. But then, you know, the big sensation, I think, was more like Red Hot uh, Chili Peppers and Pearl Jam and such. So, right. You know, it was like the tail end of a bunch of really good artists. Like a Sting has a, a late album on here, which, you know, I bought the album. It was a good album, but it's not like, you know, a police album. Um, you know, and Tom Petty and Paula Abdul was doing all her cool videos. Um, just uh, even the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Sorry, you saying? No, I said, what? oh, found it. I was like, what, where's Sting at? And it's Soul Cages. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember this album. What was the number one hit on that one? Um, I'd have to look it up because I have a couple of his older albums, but they kind of um, meld together. Um, yeah. Um, all this, all this time, I think the song, all this time was on was on the radio. All the, okay. all this time. Da, da, oh, yeah, da, yeah, da, yeah, 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 that one. But you know, once again, um, there were some nice songs on here. But it was not, it was kind of, I think it's kind of just the waning years, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, number one on the list, Metallica, uh, which their album title is just basically Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. You know, to me, it's like, I don't know, I was not a headbanger. So, to me, that is not impressive. <laughs> <laughs> not impressive to, to not have a uh, album title? Yeah, I'm just not impressed. I don't know how they, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this kind of thing ends up being a number one album. It's, well, I'm not impressed with it. <laughs> yeah. What do I? We, we, would, we would need a Scott on to help us kind of. Yeah, that. yeah. That so, would be more his yeah. place to yeah. exalt the Metallicas of the world. Yeah, I get Nirvana. I get Nevermind. That was groundbreaking. Yeah, that was a huge album. And that yeah. just kind of like I watched recently. I think it's on. Uh, I think it's on Hulu. They're running a. A series that says calls itself the dark side of the 90s, and they pick various things to talk about. And the Seattle grunge scene was was one of them. So I watched the segment, and I had no idea like how rapidly those bands that were just like these small house bands in Seattle suddenly became these mega stars, and just like the whole country was trying to imitate them. Um, right. So yeah, especially in that way, Nirvana this Nirvana album and the Pearl Jam album that's on here were just like a spectacular story of, you know, bringing a whole oh, yeah. different type of music in. Yeah. 10 Pearl Jam 10 is my jam. I yeah. freaking play, played the hell out of that album. Um, just Jeremy. I cannot yeah, get Yeah. That was a cool I, song. I, I, yeah. Uh, so dark, so morbid, but just, uh, Eddie Vedder, uh, with you know the way he sings it is just so powerful, um, and I think I had heard him talk about it once about how it just wrecks his liter- his you know his his chords, his vocal chords every time he's got to you know sing it because he puts so much power into it. Yeah, wow. Um, I bet. Yeah. Especially this because he's screaming by the end of the song. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember just uh, I think I owned the album. I think we bought it, but uh, I didn't I didn't play it. Uh, that much you know i wasn't quite as familiar as i was with some of the other albums that i had but i remember seeing the the video 
and just feeling like like you, there was just energy like pouring out of him that was just crazy. You know, yeah. it was you could tell this was going somewhere. Right. Um, yeah, and in fact, the uh, the Jeremy video, yeah, he he very looks he look uh, Eddie looks. He looks insane. He looks like an insane yeah. person. You know, Medical. his eyes are really crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, just absolutely. He plays really well. You know, into just getting into the song. Um, but yeah, to have Nevermind by Nirvana and Pearl Jam Ten, you know, uh, kind of blowing things up. And I, yeah, I I've thought about this. You know, I mean, you had these guys that were. You know, imagine anti-establishment. You know, they weren't pretty. You know, they they didn't mm-hmm. care about, you know, I've got to get myself, you know, glammed up. I've got to get myself, you know, clean shaven and, you know, go, you know, you know, have a nice, you know, matching suits for the whole band. You know, they, they weren't about any of that. Yeah, it was you know? very anti-80s, like, you know, because the 80s, everything yeah. was so stylized and clean right. and colorful and... Yeah, everybody wore suits. They wore suits in the videos. Like, I look back on that right. and I thought it was so cool at the time. And it's just, it's very um, fabricated, you know? Right. Like, these guys look right. like they just rolled out of bed and walked on the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And they didn't you need know, any kind of embellishment. Right. And then all of a sudden you had them just kind of blowing up the airwaves right. and being popular and being everywhere. I just imagine what that would have felt like. You're playing some little podunk little club in Seattle, you know, as probably just a goof. And then, you know, for somebody to just suddenly go, you know what, this stuff is just crazy. Let's go ahead and share it with the world. And then it just blows up. You know, there's no way they could have predicted that that was what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... It was just kind of like, yeah, me and my buddies, we got out, you know, we got, we grabbed a mic and we had a few guitars and we just kind of made stuff happen, you know, and now it's like, they want us to make a music video and we're at the MTV Video Awards. It's like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Who wants to listen to me? (laughs) I'm just a guy. (laughs) Yeah, I heard it was pretty crazy. And there was, um, there was a small independent record label that had started all those guys off. And you know, got them gigs, and and then suddenly they were all they were all being besieged by the you know the major labels, and like left this poor company high and dry. This and this was like oh. within like an eight month period or something, you know, absolutely ridiculous. But you know, sometimes just life is just not fair. <laughs> yeah. But then to go on the other end of my musical spectrum. You know, Brian Adams, Waking Up the Neighbors, another fabulous album that I listen to all the time. So I had to have my pop, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brian Adams brought that to you, at, you know, in, with just about anything that he produced. Um, so Wake Up the Neighbors. I'm trying to remember what the big song was on that one. That wasn't uh, – that was after Cuts Like a Knife. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was later. I remember a lot of 80s videos – Starring him. I don't yeah. quite remember this one. You know, once again, there's a lot of big artists on here just with their last recognizable album. <laughs> and oh, then. Can't stop this thing we started. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Hmm. See, not sure if Everything I, I Do, I Do It For You was on this one. Too. Oh, right. And that was in Robin Hood. Yep. I remember that. 
then a lot of the videos, the songs would go into movies and then the video would have clips from the movies in it to sell the song. So it was a little corny. We were all being a little bit manipulated, I think, by the record companies and the movie companies. But it got us in the theaters, right? They just yeah. wanted butts and seats. It's true. I told you I saw every one of the movies on the list. <laughs> and we bought the soundtracks. So, you know, it worked. Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. Good job, guys. Yeah. Um, I thought this uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper song was really pretty hot. Blood, sugar, sex, magic. Yeah, yeah. I remember them being on the cover of Rolling Stone. I remember this being a big album. And this one where they're singing, you know, give it away, give it away, give it away now was just everywhere. And I will still now and then put that on and, like, work out, you know, because it's, like, it's just, like, so bouncy, energetic, but not, like, corny bouncy. You know, it's, like, an uptune, but a really, like, cool (laughs) uptune. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good workout song, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, uh, going completely off script, but uh, Garth Brooks, um, my wife is actually, yeah, was way into country and Western, you know, music, you know, uh, before I met her. Um, so she's still got, uh, she's roped me into liking George Strait, for instance, Um you know, and I don't even say roping it in. It was just one of those things where, you know, I I grew to appreciate, you know, these you know these artists. Uh, and Garth Brooks was actually one that I got to see in concert. It wasn't you know in the '90s, but this is much much later. But um, just at uh, this past Christmas, um, uh, we before Christmas we had gotten a uh, an actual record player. You know, okay. to go a little old school. <laughs> and for Christmas, I got my wife the um, – no, I'm sorry. It was actually her birthday. It was a, um, a collection of Garth Brooks LPs. And right now, our collection isn't that big of LPs, but that's almost like one of the, you know, the, the ones that I like to have on the background and listening to, um, you know, if we're sitting there just enjoying – you know, listening. She's she's got the recent one by Adele, and I just can't get into that. <laughs> but uh, you put Garth Brooks on, I love it. So, um, and I think "Rope in the Wind" is actually on that. Um, I'll have to look at the title or the um, uh, the cover to see if it is if it's, it was like his popular one. Okay. See, I don't really know. I I don't listen to a lot of country artists. Maybe I'm a little familiar with Shania Twain. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, we have this one. <laughs> yeah, that th- this one's in that collection. I, as soon as I saw the cover, I'm like, yep, it's there. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that, yeah. uh, you know, that hit a note for you. I don't know. I, like, I like a little bit of everybody on this list, which, just for everybody's benefit, uh, Prince Michael Bolton. Uh, Queen, Rod Stewart, Tina Turner, Bonnie Raitt, uh, Van Halen, Crowded House, Mariah Carey, Lenny Kravitz, uh, the Pet Shop Boys. You know, like there's just like everybody who ever made a record, I think, had one out that year. Um, just everybody. 
Oh, which... even the doors. Even the doors are on. Really, the list. I didn't see. I didn't see them. Yeah, uh, down sixty one. It's a concert oh. uh, album. They must have dug up some footage. Yeah, guess so. Oh, this Chris Isaac song from Wicked Game. I remember was really oh, big. Oh my god, that was a cool song. Oh, that was a very awesome song. Yeah, and that was a cool video. Well, it still is actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And let's see what else we got on here that made an impression on me. Well, just just a lot of stuff. A lot of people who are coming out of nowhere. There's the Pixies. That's kind of neat. Um, I think I bought this Jesus Jones album. That was a neat song uh, right here, right now, if I'm thinking about the same album. Yeah, love that song. Yeah, that was that was cool. Um, Stevie Nicks has has an album. I think I had this album, which was like a compilation of her, her hits. And, you know, we've talked about Stevie Nicks. She's kind of a goddess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to pull out of here or do we want to go down the list? I mean, I think we talked about or Metallica was number one, Nirvana, never mind number two, U2, Octung Baby was number three, which I went out and bought. I don't and and played. I think it was a double album. I think or was that Zootopia ish thing? The double album I'm remembering. But in any case, I remember playing it and feeling like I was like falling out of love with them because I remember them being just like such rogue you know off the wall out of nowhere punk leaders and it just wasn't that era anymore you know yeah <clears throat> and then uh, Guns N' Roses and Michael Jackson so you get a smattering of like the different stuff that was on this chart yeah I'm trying to Okay. Um, the, 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 the one artist that I remember kind of smacking in my face every time I went to like the base, um, like uh, bowling alley, the club, you know, that you would almost or, you know, you go to the pizza parlor and they had like the, uh, the jukebox and somebody would play. You almost always, always, always heard Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul was all over the place for a while. Like, I don't remember this was exactly the year. I think she start hit the scene a little bit earlier, but yeah. she was really popular. Yeah, she was really. Popular. And the album is called Spellbound, and the video that I remember seeing a lot of was Rush Rush that had oh, Keanu. Yeah. In it. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember the I don't remember the video per se, but I remember the song. Um, yeah. And I remember, funny, I used to audition with. I went to auditions with one of her songs. Um, oh, really? Yeah, the way that you love me. Okay, um, good song. Yeah, I remember going to audition to be a performer on a cruise line, and I actually sang very well, but I screwed up the dance moves because like they did them in the mirror, and I like get dyslexic. But in any case, I remember getting all dressed up and doing my little number to that song on you know they okay. recorded you, but um, yeah, it, it, she was fun. I have to say she was fun. I think I re also remember, though, maybe around that time, they were accusing her of, like, singing over somebody else's vocal track in order oh, really? to, yeah, in order to kind of keep her on, I guess, on key or make her sound better or something. They were, she was hmm. accused that they were, like, combining her with another person who they, they would have sing the song first. So... You know, and she protested and said it was ridiculous, but you, you never know. It was not that long since Millie Vanilli. 
Yeah. I was, I didn't hear that one. I you know obviously I knew all about Millie Vanilli, but I didn't hear about Paula's problems there. Yeah, I don't think it was ever proven. Maybe maybe it was nothing, but I remember her having a press conference about it. Yeah. The only other, the only other album here that really was significant to me was uh, Roxette. I, I like Joyride, um, so I remember hearing that album a lot too. Yeah. I, I, I had I had the CD. Yeah, she had cool hair, that singer. She had a good voice. She had a cool yeah. hairdo. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they had some nice pop hits. Once again, kind of the tail end of, like, those new wave pop ballads. Right. So that was fun. Okay. So what's next, TV? Yeah, where do I have that up? I might have to search for that. Oh, top-rated television programs. Got it. Now, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? This to me, I would think is a lot more boring than the movies and the tel- and the music. <laughs> Actually, yeah. How is you know, 16 minutes I, always I, the top? Didn't we have that? <laughs> we had that same problem last uh, right. the last time we recorded in 71 or 81. I mean. Yeah, who are all these people watching 60 minutes? How boring is America? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I mean, 60 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and you know the uh, you know because of my like lifestyle, you know being in yeah in the barracks, you know TV wasn't a big thing for me, so I wasn't really watching a lot of this, you know um, as it was released. But you know the ones that I went back and you know really got into were Cheers and Home Improvement, you know from this list. Mm-hmm. I watched those, uh, and I, yeah. I worked on Designing Women when I when I was at uh, when I worked at Columbia Pictures. That was a couple of years before. Okay. It was like 86, 87, maybe a little bit of 88. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, I noticed that one of the movies on the list that I had worked on also, but it was it's not a very well-known movie. But in any case, uh, yeah, I, I liked Designing Women. It was a little uh, pedantic sometimes. I was trying to, you know, hit you over the head with something. Um, yeah. I liked Murphy Brown. Although I don't know if I was watching it this year, I think I was one of those people who turned in on tuned in on one of the later seasons. Right. Um, but that was kind of an intelligent show and it was fun. And I did like Home Improvement also. It was very funny. Yeah, yeah. I was a I was a fan of Tim Allen's uh, stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so you know when you know uh, he started doing a, a TV show, you know it was just. Yeah, it was his continuation of his stand-up is pretty much what it was. Yeah, it worked for him. They built that around yeah. his whole gig, um, his right. whole stand-up gig, and it was unique, you know. It, um, I mean, it was a family sitcom, and that way it wasn't unique. But his that whole bit where he's like trying to be the macho guy who like makes the washing machine blow up because he tried to, you know, soup it up or what have you. Uh, it was Rewired. cute, yeah. He wanted to rewire it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's usually like he wanted to rewire things because he wanted to make it better, you know? Like right, he, right. You know, home improvement. He's improving everything. But meanwhile, then, yeah. you know, you try to do the dishes and it explodes. So I just, I thought that was funny and it was kind of honest, you know? Because I think every yeah. guy wants to be that guy. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to be that guy, but sometimes I get like roped into being that guy Uh, the the, the ongoing joke in the house is um we've had the same uh clothes dryer that you know it's like if i ever get to the point where i cannot repair it then we're going to replace it but every time that we've had a problem with it i've able to google it 
look at a YouTube video, order a cheap part, and get it working again. So, you. you know, it, it's kind of like an ongoing joke now to see, you know, how many times, you know, home improvement wise, Dave can, you know, save this dryer's life, <laughs> you know, from. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's still kicking along. Yeah, it's still see, doing its see I appreciate that because I am not a mechanical person. So, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong to say, well, every guy wants to be there. No, maybe other guys want to, you know, be cake right. boss or whatever. But. I guess my husband slash, you know, at the time boyfriend kind of wants to be that guy. And I kind of need him to be that guy because I am so not able to do anything. <laughs> I just suck at that. I only recently, he only recently like put um, an automatic screwdriver in my hand and I built, you know, I put together my desk that came in a box with 17 billion different pieces. And I'm like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> but he really he didn't really start out as that guy. He kind of learned, and he learned a lot. Right. So I'm like, yeah, you go. <laughs> yeah, by becoming a homeowner, you know, I've learned how to replace electrical plugs, electric switches. Uh, I've replaced uh, toilets. Um, you know, so all kinds of, you know, plumbing, finagling I've done. Um, yeah, it's not to build up my resume that by, you know, I'm a computer guy by trade, you know, so, yeah, so is he. maybe there's just I've like an engineering been. head that, that can go in a different direction or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's almost kind of like, you know, if, if somebody's taken the time and they've created a YouTube video, chances are I can probably watch it a few times yeah, that and follow along too. But in 1991, yeah. it wasn't quite as easy to jump on the internet and right. find things there wasn't that much resource right, out right, there right. it's not like yeah. now but yeah my husband sometimes i'm just like oh my god this is going to cost us a million dollars and he's like <laughs> let me look at it <laughs> yeah and somehow he figures out how to fix it i don't know <laughs> yeah there's been like you know just a few times where things have been just out of my capacity you know usually if it's dealing with kind of a leaking pipe that's like within, you know, like a wall or something like that, then, yeah, or a ceiling. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've got me on that. I try to keep you know. away from the electrical system, not yeah. get too confident about that, because that scares me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, you don't want to be like, you know, just winging it there. Yeah. You're kind of, <laughs> kind of hoping you know what you're doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, so at I, least in the in the ballpark. Yeah, so, so I, I guess yeah, last time I was working on a three-way switch, I was <laughs> about uh you know moments away from calling an electrician because I just couldn't get it. And every time I went down, I put the, the breaker on, and then as soon as I come upstairs, I turn the switch on, and all of a sudden it, the breaker would pop. And I like I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. And yeah, I after trying and trying and trying, I was telling the wife, I'm like, look. If I if I don't get this like tonight, it we're calling an electrician. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I finally got it. What rocks is that? Like now in this, especially in this post-COVID world, you can't get anybody to come fix anything. Like you know how long it took me right. to get somebody to like fix a drain in a sink that we piece broke or some shit. I, it's just it's terrible. <laughs> you can't get anybody. It you better know how to do a lot of stuff yourself because it's really hard to get service people to do anything. <sighs> But anyway, I, so I guess that resonate, resonated with Middle America, home improvement. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he wasn't just, you know, the tool guy around the house. He kind of was a performer. You know, he had that show. So that was – they found cool ways to to showcase that. 
concept, I guess. Yeah, and, w and w what I really loved, um, I don't know if you watched his follow-up show, but uh, Last Man Standing. I watch that now and then. It's on. It reruns late at night. Um, yeah. I think it's very funny, uh, but I have not, like, watched it religiously where I know all the characters in or anything. But well, I do like the show. Yeah, yeah, before they wrapped it all up, there was actually a, uh, a a goof that they did where they had an episode where they brought Tim the Toolman Taylor into <laughs> that world. <laughs> That's great. So That's great. So he was actually playing Tim the Toolman Taylor from Tool Time, you know, uh, you know, and you know all kinds of good you know references to home improvement in that episode of. Um, yeah, Last Man Standing. So it was really it was really fun to see that. Yeah, that does sound fun. <laughs> yeah. and, you and, know. and he's always – in that other show, uh, Last Man Standing, he always riffed on, like, characters that he had played and, like, different things. Like, every so often – not every so often, but you you know, if you would watch, like, past episodes, you would hear him say something like, you know, to infinity and beyond. Oh, I love that. You know, out of the blue. <laughs> Once again, I know like every line in Toy Story. So <laughs> right, right. So it's kind of like, all right, good for you, Tim. Yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, well, here's another show that I liked. I liked Wings. I thought okay. it was a fun show, and I I recently binged really it. Now, see, and I kind of like I kind of like shows that feature siblings because I was always really close to my brother, you know. So I like. I liked that about Friends, and I liked it about this show, too. It was about two guys who were brothers who owned, like, a charter airline company, so they had a you know, plane or two. Um, right. And they had a lot of quirky people working at this little air uh, airstrip in Nantucket. Uh, and then a girl moves back to this, you know, this little shore town with them that they grew up with. And now, of course, she's beautiful, and she started out as this little chubby kid. And so now the two brothers are kind of, you know, both liking her. And, you know, they go back and forth a little bit. You, you know, you get to see who she ends ends up with. And uh, they were very funny. And there's a lot of great chemistry and just a lot of cute, cute little, like we were talking about with, uh, with Doc Hollywood. Kind of cute, quirky, funny people who are staffing this airport and, you know, befriending them and supporting each other and stuff. It's it was fun. It was Sounds fun. like Taxi. Uh, along the lines of kind of, I guess, Taxi-ish in an airport. But, okay. <laughs> but you know, the the, the characters had the, their own. They were unique enough that um, even with taking that kind of concept, that workplace concept, and that, um, you know, of course, Taxi was very New York City. But this is very, you know, kind of Cape Codish, I guess. I don't know, but. Uh, it was it was uh, well done. There was a lot of talent okay. in it. So, anything else jumping right, out? Well, <laughs> well, I need you to help help me understand. I have never understood the fascination with Roseanne Barr. Hmm. Number two on the list, Roseanne. Yeah, um, I remember it was a very popular show. I watched the show. I thought it was funny, but like I wasn't head over heels for Roseanne uh, when it first came out now you can't it's hard to talk about it now because she's gotten herself in so much freaking trouble that they threw her yeah. off her own reboot so right. right so I don't want to endorse anything that happened there but at um at the time 
she was more like the anti-glamorous hero, which I think people found a little refreshing, that she was just like this working-class, overweight woman who was funny as hell and just never shut her mouth. Um, and I, I've never found her funny. Nah. Never. All these years. I thought never. she was really funny at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the show was, was high up there on a ratings for a long time um hmm. and it was a good cast they had a strong cast and you see half of them in uh re-emerged in um the big bang theory <laughs> yeah yeah because jo- johnny glecky was on that show uh yeah uh leslie winkle um yeah. i forget is, yeah she was you know she played darlene who is what's the actress's yeah. name i forget sorry she'll if i ever meet her she can smack me but <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, someone. Um, But, uh, yeah, also Sarah Chalky, I think, was originally one of the sisters, and then she went on to do Scrubs, which was hysterical. Um, And then they were either she was the – I think she was the replacement, the original actress left, but now that actress is back on the reboot, I think. I don't know. But – and Laurie Metcalf is really funny on uh, – when she she guest stars on Big Bang Theory also (laughs) as Sheldon's mother. So they reinvented characters for those actors and actresses very in in very original, fresh ways where right. you know they have that connection, but it's it's totally revamped. So I like that they right. did. I like that they got away with that. You know? Yeah. Playing much different characters, right? So. Yeah, yeah, with much different, far different relationships, but. <laughs> The only other one that like is jumping out at me, and it's one that I actually did not get into, um, but I wish I would have, because I've professed my love about Chris McNichol, and Empty Nest is on this list. Oh, I never yeah. really got into that show. Really? Why yeah. not? Did you have like a little Christine McNichol break? Or <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know. It, it's like almost like I, you know, once I. Somewhere mid '80s, it just was, you know. I mean, I, I knew she was out there, but it wasn't anything that I. I mean, and she was doing movies, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing some of the movies and really liking her in those. But, um, yeah, I guess by the time we got into the uh, early '90s, I was just, you know, I don't know. I just didn't follow her that much. Yeah, I didn't really watch it, so I couldn't. Now and then, I would see little bits of it, but I, I didn't really watch it, so I couldn't really tell you. You know, she was terrific or, you know. Right. Yeah, I think that was kind of one of her final, you know, final roles before she, you know, she took her break from Hollywood. Yeah, it's nice uh, that she had a hit series, you know, uh, or yeah. a new one, you know, right. as she was an adult as opposed to just being stuck as a child actress who then didn't do anything else. So. Right. So good for her on that. But, you know, I was always very envious of Chris McNichol because she dated Scott Baio and I I don't think I ever forgave her. Yeah, I, I, I remember <laughs> you telling me that. Yeah. The the love boat kiss. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't yeah. remind me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um all right, so headlines. Headlines, okay. Once again I got so many things open. Uh 
I might have to. So what happened? What happened in 1991? Yeah, some interesting things happened here. I mean, you mentioned Operation Desert Storm. I think that's what I remember most clearly about this year when I came back from Florida with John was Operation Desert Storm. It was a big freaking deal. Um, and I think it had been a long time since people maybe like I feel like that was the first time that people of my own age group contemporaries of mine that were really jumping up and saying, all right, I'm shipping off. You know, it had almost been academic before that. Right. Right. Where you hadn't, you know, you, you, you heard like of the draft and whatnot and there wasn't any like huge, um, newsworthy event, you know, that, you know, was sending people out somewhere in droves, you know, military members. Right. And, uh, desert storm. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely did that, um, in a major way. Uh, my own perspective was in the, um, around the, the, the base, they were actually looking for volunteers to go. And at the time I was just starting to, get serious with the the lady that would become my first wife uh, our, our marriage didn't last long it was only like a year and a half but oh, at the time when they were looking for the volunteers they um uh you know i was serious with her and you know she talked me out of it she's like no i you shouldn't go um but i was i was really close really close to you know saying hey send me over there you know to see what i could do Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, a lot of people got hurt. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was weird. Like, if you go back to the 80s, like, like I remember watching Top Gun and they were chasing around that, that MiG, which was supposedly some kind of enemy craft. And I was like, what do you mean, enemy? We're not fighting anybody. You know, we haven't been fighting anybody in ages. You know, nobody goes head to head against an enemy. But, you know, things changed when right. we got to Desert Storm, which I remember. I remember. Hearing about it as Operation Desert Shield for a while. Yes. Then suddenly yeah. people started shooting, <laughs> and then it became yeah. Desert Storm. So it was uh, an escalation. Yeah, I remember. Um, I, I'm sure it was available everywhere, but I remember specifically on the base, like after the war. Um, you know, they even had collector cards. You know that you were able to buy like a case of these things, and you would have, you know, from the most famous generals involved in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, to you know the type of weapons that were being used on both sides, etc. And it was just it was bizarre, but it was a collectible, and I, I mm. I've got to find if I've still got it somewhere, but I remember having it for the longest time. Wow. Yeah. That does sound very collectible. I have to tell you. Yeah, it's like I said, I'll have to go dig through my stuff. I've, I've got like maybe two boxes left that are just military memento stuff. Um, and I'm almost sure it's in there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, take a look for it. Yeah. Um, and that I think that colored a lot of that year. It's not like something that just happened and it went away. You know, it happened and it, it kept, you know, affecting people's lives for a long time. Um, Dahmer. Dahmer yeah, I, that's the next thing I was looking at. Is that you, you yeah. never? Nobody's ever going to forget Jeffrey Dahmer. That was pretty sick. Yeah. 
Now that women was... and boys are found in his Milwaukee, Wisconsin apartment. Right, which I believe like parts were found like in his refrigerator and really creepy stuff like that. I mean that you rarely see somebody that screwed up. I mean, you see them in movies like that's a real life Hannibal Lecter. Lecter. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say did did art influence life or life in, imitated art? You know. No. I don't know. I would hate to think that it did. Yeah. I, I think that if you're going to do those kind of acts and conduct those kind of torturous things on other people, um, you've been sick for a long time. Oh, yeah. So I, no, I mean, it's yeah, not like you wake so up the one morning and go, you know what? Inspired him. <laughs> yeah. You know, after watching Hannibal Lecter, maybe maybe people are kind of tasty. I don't know. Like, I got to try it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. But yeah. I remember that being really disturbing. Yep. And let's see. I do remember it was kind of a big deal that the Soviet Union just kind of fell to pieces around this time, which they're describing here, I think, a couple of different ways. Yeah, don't have me say these uh, country names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it might be a little difficult to see, like, where everything is pieced back together, you know, and they're, they're still... Yeah. And they're still fighting. Um, so that's kind of sad. But at least at that point, you kind of felt like, well, we won. Because <laughs> they just couldn't keep up. Yeah, and, we won the Cold War. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And nobody blew yeah. anybody up. So it's yeah. all it's all right. Much like we all thought it was going to happen. So Yeah, I know. See, like when we were growing up, that was all always this like threat hanging over our heads that, oh, we're going right. to get into a war and we're going to blow each other up. Well, you know. It was much simpler than that. You know, they just ran out of money and couldn't continue to, you know, keep the economy together. So it just kind of dissolved. So at least that's how I remember it. I'm not I'm not a historian, you know, political historian or anything. But that's kind of what I remember being the ramifications that, you know, it was uh, escalating and escalating and escalating. And then at a point you have to admit all right, communism is not working and our military is not going to be able to continue. So, so that was that. Yeah. It looks like Gorbachev resigned and was replaced by a new Russian government. So yeah, they didn't go into detail on this article we're looking at, which is essentially people history, 1991. It's called the year 1991 major events, pop culture pieces or prices born this year. So, um, that's what we're looking at. Hmm. Um, ooh, Rodney King was that year. Oh, that was a big deal. Yeah. That was a that was a big deal. Yeah, those riots after Rodney King. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I do remember that having a lot of effect on, you know, just the uh, the culture and debate and newscasts and. You know, even poor Rodney King was like, hey, we just get along. <laughs> that was the year Freddie Mercury died? Yeah, that's true. And he made a public statement confirming that he was stricken with AIDS, and the next yeah. day he dies of complications. Yeah, I think he just waited until he couldn't deny it anymore. Yeah. But that's kind of sad. That was kind of sad. I mean, that was very sad. He was a hugely unique person. True. 
and just burned out. You know, the 80s were tough on some people. All right. Well, some other notable stuff that happened. Technology, Internet was made available to unrestricted commercial use, and a number of computers on the net reaches 1 million. Wow. You know, come to think of it, I think this was the year. All right, so I moved back to New York, and I got my first job in an ad agency because before that, I told you I was a researcher at Columbia Pictures, and then for a while I was back on Long Island, and I was just like an account representative at a film company, like a second-run film company, but I was not really doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to write. I wanted to maybe see what was out there for me in advertising and stuff. I got my first job in an advertising agency, and I remember they sat us all down, and this was the first time this had ever happened, and said, this is your computer. This is a mouse. Look at the screen. This is a folder. It looks like a real file. You know, like, that was when I was sat down with the staff and introduced to the fact that we're going to have computers in our office now. And that was, like, a big deal. You know, then you never had an office again. Actually... I think we had some kind of proprietary system in the the film company, the one on Long Island, but it wasn't an operating system. It was just, you know, the screen that you fill in when people ordered the movies. It was almost like a purchasing system. Okay. So there was software out there, but there wasn't like, there wasn't an internet and there there was nothing to surf and there wasn't like an interface that you could use and click and store your files. That didn't happen until like 1991 in the in the the workplace so. yeah i mean because i mean a lot of people were getting used to the um what they were were dos commands you know if you mm-hmm. had a dos operating system you would type in a command to load the program up you didn't have a point and click world where you can just go to you know yeah i mean windows 311 you know would give you that but you know in most world in most areas you had uh, DOS-based system. So, like, things that I was supporting was, like, WordPerfect. Um, I remember you WordPerfect. Uh, <laughs> anybody doesn't remember that. What, what, that, what that was the word processor. And if you didn't know, like, the function keys to do certain things, then you basically couldn't do what you wanted to do. So, like, if you didn't know Shift F7 was print, then you were screwed. Um, and, and I remember I became very popular in the office because I became the guy that made templates for everybody's keyboards mm-hmm. to, you know, for the different commands that you'd be able to oh, you know, use with the diff, shift or function keys, you know, and then I would print those up with our plotter and cut them down so they'd fit on the keyboards. And yeah, so I, I was quite the shit. Yeah, because I, I had that Another. skill set. That's funny. I told you I was in I was in Florida right before, and I also mentioned that we moved back because there really wasn't a lot of work for people our age who were you know just like only a couple years out of college, and despite the fact that I had a degree, um, I I was a temp the whole time I was in Florida, but I'll tell you what I was the most popular temp I think in the history of West Palm Beach. They like went nuts over me, and every company wanted me for you know once i got there they were like all right now you do an angelus vacation and two weeks later you come back and do this and that what because i could figure out same kind of thing i could figure out they were just coming out with like digitized phone systems or computerized you know transfer and phone systems and and um but a, a couple of people actually did have computers in their office that i could almost sort of figure out how to use the interface 
And so, like, I had a job as a temp. I had a job every week somewhere because <laughs> because I was the only one who could, you know, had at least worked on some kind of keyboarding system, right? And could, you know, get around and fill in fields and stuff, and you know, transfer the elect, like, you know, use an electronic system to transfer calls, and it was like a big deal. Yeah, and then somebody's like, I don't know how to do this. someone. Someone would be like, call Suzanne. Just call call Suzanne. She'll help you. Kind of, yeah. They sent me down anytime there was something, you know, that was complicated. Because, you know, I guess like the temps that walk in, you know, maybe are not, you know, the cream of the crop as far as like hiring. <laughs> and they would like sometimes, you know, sit me down like in a reception area, and somebody would come and say, "All right, could could I get a copy of this?" I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, a copy machine's right over there." And I'd be like, "Oh wait." I'm supposed to do it. <laughs> I have to do it. All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll do it. But like, I just like didn't get it that this was my job. But anyway, that was kind of a pivotal time where you had to learn the technology or you were kind of out the door. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, and that was definitely one of those that that year, you know, because it, it would take a little while before you got into a nicer point and click kind of world, which Windows ninety five. Yeah, Windows ninety five. I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah, very well. And, um, but yeah, before that, it was kind of kind of kaluji, you know, to navigate around. Um, and then you know, like people like well, me, we got used to like maps. DOS commands. Yeah, the you know, Macs in ninety one had the, yeah. had this interface that. Windows 95 kind of stole. Right, right. Exactly. So you could get around a Mac much easier in like 91 and 92. Then once Windows 95 came out, it was all over. Only only art departments used Macs then after that. Yeah, yep. Uh, the, the good people at Apple definitely needed a better marketing system than they had. Yeah, they were far too restrictive is the thing. Yeah. They still are. <laughs> they are. They, they, they still are. That's why I won't get an iPhone. I do Samsung. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and that's just kind of like why I've always liked like the iPhone. Yeah, everything else in my world is Windows, but you know I'll always have an iPhone or an iPad because those always work. I don't have to fix them. But yes, I am. I have to follow along with the guardrails that you know Apple puts in there. Um, but I've gotten used to it, you know, and so that's. You know, just my, you know, and, and in my world, it's just one less thing that I have to babysit. Um, so that that's the reason why I'm okay. fine with I'll go with that. I know Apple people yeah. are Apple people. But oh, they are. But this they is totally just are. if anybody's listening who was not around in 1991, this is when this started. <laughs> yeah. You kind of you, that was the great divide, I think, right. you know, is when that kind of started. You know, to what Suzanne's talking about with the the artistic people or the people that had um, you know heavier uh, publication kind of things that they had to put as output, tend to went the Apple Macintosh route. You know, and the rest of the world said, "Yeah, Windows is fine. I'll I'll, I'll use this." Yeah, people who were just doing documents and stuff. Um, right. You know, which is a lot of the business world. Like I said, if you're not if you were not in advertising. Not, not, you weren't necessarily using graphics that required more flexibility, you know, and how you were able to move things around and change things. Uh, so I think that's how that worked for a while. Right. It's like, yeah, if I can, you know, have a PowerPoint that looks okay, then I'm good. I don't need to have it flashy. Right. So. Right. Yeah. 
So. All right. Um, is there any other headlines? Let's see. Was there anything else that jumped out at me here? No, like some of these I remember, but they didn't affect me hugely. You know? Yeah. Those um, are the big things. Yeah, same here. And you know, they were they were big. <laughs> War and computers. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely. And and a serial killer. <laughs> but anyway. Ha. Huh. So anything else that you're remembering from 1991 that maybe would fit into this wrap-up that we didn't discuss? Um, no, not really. I mean, yeah, I kind of talked about where I was in the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, being in D.C., um, out on my own. I just remember it being a really great time because, you know, I got to explore the nation's capital. Um, on any given weekend, I was able to grab the uh, the train and go enjoy either the um, uh, the Smithsonian. Uh, How cool or, is that? You know, the various malls. Um, so you know, I've been all through those areas, and so I just it's fascinating to me even living there. You know, to be able to at a dime, you know, at you know drop of a dime, just go and explore and enjoy you know, everything that was, you know, to offer the nation's capital. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, well, like I said, it was kind of pivotal for me in deciding that, all right, I'm committing. We're, we're kind of committing to one guy and one life and one career and moving forward. And, you know, it worked because my life got not, a lot nicer after that. I love it's more calm. <laughs> Much calmer. I mean, you know, sure. it's crazy having kids, but it's fun and it's stable. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, no, I guess not everybody's home life is stable when they get married. Some marriages don't do so well. But, I mean, I, I guess I was lucky enough that mine did. And that, to me, was, you know, a nice way to go. I was kind of like, okay, thank you, God. I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> I got here. <laughs> I'm good. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, my first marriage, you know, I guess it was basically a learning experience, you know. I just, uh, you know, uh, it didn't last long. We're both in the military, uh, which isn't good on relationships as it is. I guess so. Um, so, yeah, it just didn't work out for whatever reason, and uh, I'm actually happier for it because, you know, I'm, I've been married to the same woman now for Oh, geez, we're coming up on 25 years here soon. Wow, or at least 25 yeah. years of knowing her. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. Uh, three wonderful kids. So, um, yeah, I'm not complaining. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, it's not all bad being a grown-up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay with it. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just got to go through some rough spots to get there. That's yeah. all. Yeah, okay. To get where you need to go. <laughs> so very Doc Hollywood. Oh, yeah, there you go. You're always right where yep. you need to be. So yeah. I'm borrowing my sister-in-law's uh, motto, but in any case, she'll recognize it if she's listening. But in any case, in any <laughs> case, all right. I guess that you know we've we've gone on for a while here, so maybe this is a good place to uh, to wrap up 1991, huh? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Well, it's been fun. It was a good year. <laughs> uh, well, you can find us at um, bonsairetroclub.com. Um, you can, you know, get a look at all the things that we've done. 
Um, and uh, you can also just listen on Podbean or on iTunes or um, you can uh, take a look and you know make some comments. Let us know what you're thinking about or what you might want us to talk about coming up. Um, and uh, you can find me online at uh, Suzanne at uh, Suzanne um, and uh, you can take a look. I've got a novel that's going to be coming out next month. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll talk more about the launch and some future date. But um, that's that's uh, set in the 80s, uh, girl power stuff. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, if you want to email us, right, McFly at Bonsai yep. Retro Club. Yeah, kind of cool. Like, hello, McFly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so in that case. Everybody, you know, be good to each other and uh, party on and be excellent. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a Bonsai Retro Club production. Bonsai, Daniel Hey, Bonsai! Bonsai!